Hey, oh, man, the recording these headers for a podcast in advance is it's such a weird it's weird magic that I always feel like I'm uh, sort of putting a little message in a bottle. I hope you find this the um, I am a prisoner. No, the by the time this is reaching your ear brains, um, I will have hopefully uh, successfully hurtled across the country with uh, with my emotional support dog Sadie and my emotional support dog uh, Rad Pinkard. The on the off chance that uh, we're able to get this out early. Um, I will be doing a show in Chicago uh, with Scotty Coomer of uh, 10 Junk Miles. That will be uh, December 6th. And then December 7th, uh, we will be at Can Can Cinema in uh, Indianapolis. And then my it's, it's looking like my final show of 2022 will be uh, December 14th in Columbus, Ohio, uh, opening up for John Langford of the Mekons, uh, which is a pretty cool gig. The I will be in, uh, if you're an Ohio native or Ohio local, I will be in Athens, Ohio for the month of December. And then uh, driving back across the country with uh, my good friend Jake Flores. And that should be, that should be a good fun run that I'm definitely looking forward to. Looking forward to the long hours in the van more than the shows themselves. The um, my guest on the podcast today, the uh, her name is Tina Muir. I I'm going to read a little bit of her bio because the this is a, a little outside my usual uh, scope of. Uh, uh, gamblers and outlaws and degenerates. Uh, Tina's the founder and CEO of Running for Real. Uh, she's a mother of two and former in- international runner for Great Bit- Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Uh, she hosts the Running for Real podcast, which has amassed over six million downloads. Uh, it's a collective of conversations about running, the uh, the coming climate emergency, and social justice. Um, Tina also hosts a second NPR-style podcast with Knox Robinson called Running Realized, noted as the Invisibilia of Running. Invisibilia is one of my favorite NPR podcasts. Um, the Tina and I became friends sort of... Oh, this is funny and embarrassing. We became friends uh, a year ago, year and a half ago, something like that. Um, she reached out to have me on her podcast, and I was naturally suspicious of podcasts. So when she hit me up for a promo copy of uh, The Long Run, I think, I guess I just told her to go and buy a copy because it was like, it's like two bucks. And the, and I think I was, if you, if you can imagine it, I was in a mood. The, um, and, uh, but we ended up, having just an incredible conversation on her podcast and really connected. And I think we both recognized immediately that we were, we were very different people and that as uh, very different people who approach the world in radically different ways and have, um, you know, completely different relationships with running that we each had a role to play in the other's life. Um, sometimes friendships are based not around the things you have in common, um, but the things that are different. Uh, so Tina and I have got to be great friends, and we, uh, you know, we catch up from time to time. And finally, um, I just sort of been tracking her social media, and I was like, "All right, this is 
this is it. Uh, time to uh, time to finally have Tino on the podcast. So uh, if if you're a running fan, uh, you'll dig this. And I think I don't know. I think there's I think there's something here for everyone uh, about realizing your moment and uh, perhaps recognizing the the potential for a great friendship in an uns- a, a place you wouldn't suspect. Um, Anyway, enjoy my conversation here with Tina Muir. Mishka Shabali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. I have to tell you, part of the reason why I was running late today is I ended up having like a very Tina morning. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, the I I listened to a couple of your uh your recent podcasts just to sort of um because we communicate um intermittently, but you and I are both doing so much stuff all the time mm. that it's sort of impossible for either of us to constantly keep track of what the other one is doing. But um my my cleaners came today, so instead of just running from my and I had to get uh, cash to pay them, so mm-hmm. instead of running from my house, I took the dog, hit the ATM, and then went out to run along the canal, which runs through the middle of the city. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons I love running it is that, I mean, it sounds insensitive to say, but there's there are great homeless people there. <laughs> there are There's the full spectrum of uh, unhoused humanity on display. And I say mm-hmm. hi to everybody, and I try to make eye contact with everybody and say, hello, how are you? The, and some of them, some of them address me, some of them don't, some of them make eye you know, contact, some of them don't. The, but I just try to engage. Mm-hmm. And I was running along, and it was like a quiet day, and nobody was out. And I saw looked up and saw a woman uh, probably in her mid sixties on like a big, uh, like pink bike with like big handlebars with like cat's eye glasses and gray hair up in a bun. And I was like, this woman's awesome. You know, she was like biking down the other side of the canal and, and I just sort of made eye contact with her and kept going. And then I heard this big splash, like somebody had thrown a rock into the canal. And I looked back and there was an, a hawk with probably four and a half foot wingspan had just plunged into the water and then was flying away with a fish as big as my arm. <laughs> like it was so, like some, you know, wild America shot, you know, the, and it was and I, like, I just sort of stopped and stared gape mouthed at the, this beautiful sort of like primal scene, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, the, um, and something that we think of, you know, as being sort of like, you know, part of nature unfolding right in the middle of the city. And it was, it was so great. And it just, um, I don't know, it made me think of you and your constant engagement with the world and your ability to find sort of, uh, miracles in the everyday. So, Hi, how are you? <laughs> Welcome. How are you doing? What's going on in your? Uh, in your I, I was today? wondering. I was like, how is this going to tie to me? Did the woman remind you of me? Like, <laughs> was, was it the like waving to the unhoused that was reminding you? I was like, where is this going? And then, um, and then my thought went to like, you seem to have a very um, maybe not drama, but like exciting life, and that things seem to always like happen around you. <laughs> like yes. I can't imagine that happening to me, but um, 
yeah, you seem to like have a lot of uh, interesting experiences in your life, um, just like appear. And uh, but I'm honored that nature and the circle of life reminded you of me. That's that is a big honor. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was thinking specifically about your. Um, I, I mean, I feel like the epiphany that you've had recently, yeah, um, of what your sort of purpose in life um, mm -hmm. is. Um, you know, in regards to uh, maybe harnessing the power of the connection in the running community to fight climate change. Yeah. Is that close to to where you're at these days? <laughs> Imagine if I was like, no, actually, I've decided I'm working for an oil company. <laughs> like, um, all right, 90 degree turn here. No, yeah, that's definitely uh, where my energy is right now. Although, yeah, it can be at times... I question why I'm doing that, but I think that's a sign, right? That's how you know you're in the right direction. And if sometimes you're like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Um, so yes, I'm, I'm really loving that my path is finally, I feel like I've come out of this like complicated, confusing woods and I see the path ahead now. So it's just a case of uh, following it and see where it goes. So, but as you can imagine, sustainability isn't exactly the area you go into like, <laughs> not exactly the glamorous like cool thing that people are like oh tell me more um so it's been interesting but i don't mind that i was thinking about that too on my run that like um you know sustainability isn't necessarily about like having a big concert and like having mm -hmm. a ton of celebrities there or doing it's you know heroic things it's the aggregation of a million minute decisions mm. to not do the shitty thing to not do the selfish <laughs> yeah. thing to yeah. not be like man i uh, uh slash from guns and roses was a childhood hero and i still uh -huh. think he's super cool <laughs> and i i sat next to him in, in uh in the chapel for mark lanigan's funeral and um at the end of the service and slash had like put his empty water bottle down and then at the end of the service he bent down to pick it up to go and put it in the recycling container and i was like oh my fucking god so many times in my life when i've littered and i'm like i'm finally in the room with the coolest person ever and i'll never I'll never litter again. Uh, not that I'm a huge litter bug, but you know there have been times in my life where I've made a selfish decision or irresponsible mm -hmm. decision rather than mm -hmm. and watching Slash just do the right thing in that moment. <laughs> that's really cool, and that's so good that he didn't shatter your expectations. And you're like, um, excuse me, uh, you 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 left your, <laughs> your water bottle there. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's really good. That's good to hear because you would think that would be very easy. Actually, <laughs> on a kind of similar note, I um, I don't know if you saw, but I randomly got tickets to see Harry Styles from a friend who is on his crew. I'm not, I don't, I didn't know Harry Styles' music. I don't really, all I know of Harry Styles is he was in One Direction and that he is on BuzzFeed and stuff all the time. It's like, he did a really cool thing or he helped this couple propose or whatever. But I, when he was up on the stage, because my friend gave us floor seats, he went to a reusable water bottle. And I was like, oh, wow. Like someone like that is not using a plastic bottle. And it made, I, it was um, absolutely insane how happy that made me to see someone like that going to a reusable bottle. So I understand your 
It probably meant more to you because Slash meant more to you than Harry did to me, but still, it was a good sign. It um <laughs> it, it it does come down to like personal responsibility. Um the but also my mom always has these like amazing rants about, you know, <laughs> the um the, the price of the apples at Safeway or whatever, you know. <laughs> the, and um and I always like my sisters and I always just sort of read them with like a little bit of an eye roll, like, uh, here she goes again, you know, that, <laughs> but she posted something years ago that was yeah. just so in tune with how I feel about, um, sustainability and charity and responsibility. And she was talking about like buying something at Walmart. And then at the checkout, they ask you for your change. Mm-hmm. It's Walmart. It's this huge yeah. fucking global, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation. And, you know, they, the Walmart headquarters are in Arkansas and they say that, um, had on nine 11, had they flown planes into the Walmart headquarters in Arkansas, it would have had more global disruption than targeting the world trade center in New York. Wow. And the, and they're asking us for yeah. our change. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it, you know, and it made her furious and it makes me furious. And mm. I don't know, I'm sure you have mm. an in- insight into that. I mean, I don't know why we do that. I, I, that brings to mind to me when um, BP in 2019 put a tweet out that said um, <laughs> something like, uh, start reducing your emissions. Um, calculate your uh carbon footprint here's our carbon footprint calculator what do you pledge and the, <laughs> the best response was um like i pledge not to um put 4.9 billion gallons of oil into the ocean um <laughs> but like that's another example it's like bp saying what are you going to do to reduce your emissions and you're like excuse me what are we gonna do like <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I could I could go on all day about that um, stuff. I'm not sure your listeners would want to hear that. The, no, I mean the go for it. You know the I'm uh, you and I become like good friends over the mm-hmm. last year or so, mm-hmm. and the um, you know I, I was sort of like flipping through your podcast and seeing a thing about you know you feeling lost, and I was like, oh no, the so it was. Um, it was a great moment for me to um to read about sort of um, a moment of not necessarily personal crisis but just uh a lack of direction or misdirection or where am i or what am i doing mm-hmm. uh, um and it's poignant for me because um knowing you and seeing the million different things that you're doing i'm like the tina's the most you know, focused, directed person. I know the, you seem to be going a million different directions at once, but moving forward in, but you seem to be making progress <laughs> in all of them and moving forward in, in every way. The, so it was, you know, it was a little alarming to read that you were, you were mm-hmm. feeling lost. And then, mm-hmm. um, but out of that, you know, seemed to come a new purpose. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's good. Sometimes we often look at other people and think, 
that they've got it all together and they're figuring it all out and how are they doing so many things and to see so to see people that say like I'm actually lost and I don't know what I'm doing is one thing um but yeah I was really I mean I still am a little bit with my running and that's where like I told you and I know you've you've said that other people have said this to you I I am <laughs> way too honest and vulnerable and I know you are too and so that's why I was a little bit nervous about talking to you because I don't have a problem with this but I know I know what you do and you said it's your superpower like getting you all to open up but in my running I'm still or my uh my running part of my life I'm still feeling a bit like where am I going do I want to what do I want running to be uh but in my work world I just was feeling so torn and uh, I had this, a lot of the sustainability stuff was really on my heart, but I was letting the anticipation of eye rolls and the um, kind of, you know, I mean, the best example of this is I was working at the Chicago Marathon. They invited me up to help with their sustainability initiatives. And I worked the expo on the first day to in their like sustainability section where they'd created this little path where you learn about the initiatives they're doing. And at the end, there was a, a wheel that you could spin to win an item from last year's expo from the marathon. And of course, people just want to like go straight to the wheel to get something free. And so they're like, I don't want to go this. I don't want to listen to you talk to me. But anyway, I got a lot of people in to listen and they were interested. But there were so many people that did that thing where, I mean, you can see this because you're looking at me, but where people would walk by the sustainability booth and be like, oh, look up there, like pointing the other direction, you know, pretending that they don't see where we are. <laughs> and that's what I think a lot of, was holding me back was because people don't want to hear about it. They don't want to be lectured. They don't want to be told about it. They don't want to face the fears of the fact that it is a scary world we live in right now. And we could easily be like destroying the human race if we're not careful. Um, and so I was afraid of the feedback and the people pleasing in me. And so I think it was really starting to tear me apart because of what I said to you. And you know this through knowing me that I do speak uh, very truthfully and I don't mind digging into vulnerability. Um, and so it felt like I wasn't living my truth in many ways. And I felt like I was just trying to be like everyone else, even though I wasn't like everyone else. Um, but it was people like you in my life who really showed me that uh, I don't want to be like everyone else in my space that uh, that allowed me to kind of uncover it. And then once I started saying it, it was, as you know, you gain more and more confidence and um, ability to keep talking about it once you've kind of ripped off the anticipation bandaid and actually just gone for it. So that, yeah. It was a good feeling and uh, it's continuing that way. Things have, things have been coming up to prove that I'm in the right direction. So I feel like I'm alone out there sometimes in the sustainability world, but uh, um, part of me also kind of likes that, if I'm honest, <laughs> because um, I can just kind of do my own thing without being concerned what everyone else is doing. And I still fall to that. It's tricky because the... Um, I was sort of comparing and cont contrasting our lives in my head while I was on mm. the run. And I was like the, 
you know, I'm not going to be more different. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to say like life's lived in opposition of each other, but the, I mean, there, there are a lot of common threads too, that, you know, we, mm-hmm. um, you know, the running has been profoundly meaningful in our lives mm-hmm. and the, you know, the, um, the friendship and connection means, you know, it, it is of vital importance to, to both of us. The, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, and I don't, um, I don't know that you would notice this or address this, but you and I were both, we're both performers. We're both mm-hmm. entertainers. And so much of what you do in your life, the, you are on stage. And I was thinking about all the things you do of the, um, the together runs where you, you know, sort of podcast with people while you're on the run and, mm-hmm. and basically how much time in your life you spend on the mic on stage and how fucking exhausting that's got to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the one of the smartest things that anyone ever said to me, and when they I can't remember who said it, and uh, maybe it was Jay White Cotton, um, and it sort of it was one of those things where I was like, man, why didn't somebody say this to me twenty years ago? But <laughs> the don't play to the empty seats, mm-hmm. and it, I think I think it's I think it comes from Charlie Pride, the country singer where whenever you go to a whenever you go to a show whether you're playing at a bar that seats 50 people or a you know 5000 capacity venue or something the your eye doesn't doesn't immediately go to the people in the front row or the people who are super engaged and super happy yes. to see you you're like why why is nobody sitting there why is nobody sitting in the front why are they all sitting in the back why are they all still watching tv the why is that section closed off or whatever the um and one of the things that I see performers do again and again is um, they're like, man, why is, why is there nobody here? And when you say that you're addressing the people who are there as if yeah. they don't, you know, they don't matter. Yeah. Um, the, but I, I mean, I guess the question is where do you find the energy to, to provide that much of yourself to so many different people in so many different aspects in so many different ways all the time <laughs> and you're married and you have kids and you have a real life and you have, you're, you're running and you're racing and the um I don't know it, it seems like so much it's so funny because for me I often feel like I take so much and I often I'm often told you know you give so much but to me I feel like a lot of the time I'm taking uh, in terms of, you know, uh, primarily with Steve, I, I I need to go do this. I need to go do that. I need to travel for this. I need to travel for that. Or, um, my family, it might be me saying, uh, I'm sorry, I, I can talk to you at this time, but this is all I've got. So I have to, you know, you can take this or leave this. This is the time I've got that feels like taking. And so, um, and, and even just, I'm taking time away from people when I'm when they're listening to my podcast or watching my things. And I know that it's not, I know that I are they getting something out of it or they wouldn't be listening. Uh, but it's still to me, a lot of the time feels like I'm asking for things. And I don't know if that comes from uh, my mom is very uh she she always she always feels like she um is kind of uh trying to think of her she's so she she feels like she's um 
always giving all of well she doesn't feel it I see that she gives like all of herself to everyone else and so I don't know if I've tried to been trained to to view things as like asking for anything is is um is selfish that like that's not what you're supposed to do as a woman um but I feel like especially the people I'm surrounded by they kind of do so much and I feel like a lot of the time I say nope I'm not doing that uh I'm not doing that silly tradition that that means I have to go to the store another six times or I'm not doing this so I feel like I'm taking a lot like I'm taking from my kids these opportunities I'm um not saying yes to this and that but um so it's interesting that you say about giving so much because I feel like those parts of me um often give me life like the together runs really energize me and um the podcasts, I come away from conversations just feeling so inspired by people. Um, so I feel like that. And the same with the guiding that I do. Um, we haven't mentioned that yet, but running with um, visually impaired runners as their guide, that I feel like gives me life, even though I'm the one technically giving my legs to them to and my eyes to them to help them to see. But I, I feel like this is a central conundrum of human existence is mm-hmm. that you know, the, you know, for my closest friends, people I've known for 20 or 30 years, Mm -hmm. I feel like I've, I've done them a great harm by writing as much as I have in that it's like, you know, that I'm like assigning them homework or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm taking time out of their lives and the, um, and also if we've been friends for 30 years and you haven't read my book, I hate you so much that God, <laughs> for writing uh, writing that book like destroyed my life. How how dare you not read it? And then and then there are strangers, people who I, I don't know at all, who the where I feel like I've done nothing for them, and they'll drive six hours to come yes. and see me play at some like rinky dink little show, and you know they'll write this you know, these voluminous uh, messages and emails about how much they loved my book and, mm-hmm. and what a gift it was to them. And it's like the, are we doomed to feel guilty for every good thing that we do and <laughs> to, to feel like win. we're heroes for every like horrible thing that we've done? You know, the, I mean, it kind of does feel that way sometimes, isn't it? That you, yeah, no, like <laughs> nothing. Will, I mean, we do live in a world of not good enough, but yeah, that is kind of comic. I, I feel exactly the same thing you're saying about, um, the same thing people will say you've changed my life and I'm like what are you talking about like I haven't done anything like I've just I've just like talked and um <laughs> but I think for people like you and I is that I mean we all love uh, at least for me and many people I talk to our favorite podcasts or conversations are where you feel like you're overhearing two people having a conversation in a coffee shop or you're um like these together runs I'm just running along whatever comes into my head you know I'll be talking about something and I'll be like oh this fucking couch on the side of the road like why did that person throw that there and then I just carry on with my conversation because like like that was what came into my head like why would someone put a couch on the side of the road um and so I think that's what we crave is more just I guess making us feel we're not crazy for um thinking these things or or talking to our friends about these things. So I don't know. I think that's maybe where you and I come in is that our giving is just what comes quite naturally to us, or at least I think it comes naturally to you just being vulnerable. 
you call it being vulnerable. <laughs> I still see it I, in my head. It still feels like complaining. And the, like when I was a kid, you know, my parents would be like, oh, just, you know, stop complaining. It's never going to make it, you know, it's not going to make a difference, you know, and the, uh, you know, <laughs> fuck you, mom and dad, that now I complain professionally for a living, you know, and it's like, I've been able to <laughs> complain articulately enough that now, um, I complain on record. I complain on the page. <laughs> I complain on a podcast. Not a bad the, way of living. And and when I do talk about you know hardships in my own life, whether it's the oh, the second toe on my right foot that's always like trying to do more work than it can, and then it always hurts, or the it's such a random thing to bring up. <laughs> it, it, it was bothering me today. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, or just, or the sort of like, you know, a uh, gray cloud of doom that seems to sort of like follow me everywhere I go, you know, from the very minute physical things to these large cosmic um, things. I always feel like I'm bumming people out, mm -hmm. but the, the end result of it is that e everyone's going through shit mm -hmm. and for them to hear me give voice to things that are bothering them, then they realize that they're not alone. You know. Yeah, that's so true. Although I have that brings up to me a um a random thing that I think maybe you will emphasize with. One of my biggest pet peeves, it's not even a pet peeve, it's like I really struggle when you see someone you know, like a neighbor or someone you're passing, and you say, and they say, Hi, how are you? Uh, or you say, Hi, how are you? And they say, Yeah, good. And then they say, and you? And you're like, Yeah, good. But to me and my neighbors, I never say, Yeah, good. I'll say, Last, I, we talked about the poison ivy thing, and we can talk about that again if you want. <laughs> the day, the moment, literally the moment I realized I had poison ivy, um, in the one place you would not want poison ivy. <laughs> I, the moment I realized it, I was outside talking to a neighbor, and I saw it on my leg, and I went, "Oh, that's poison ivy," and he said, "Oh, you know, it might just be a rash," and I was like. No, that that is definitely poison ivy. And he he was like, "Oh, well, hopefully it's not." And then he was like, "Bye." And it was just like, "Please don't, please don't bring that into my world." Like he he clearly didn't want. He was doing the hopefully thing. Um, and I really struggle with when it's just you see someone and you say how, like they'll say, "How are you?" And I'll say, "Yeah, I'm all right." I mean, I'm a little bit tired because uh, I'm not like complaining you know, my this and then my that and forever. But I'll say the truth, which is, you know, I uh, had a bad night's sleep, so I'm a bit tired, but I'm okay. How about you? And it, I can see the discomfort in them because they're like, I didn't want that. I just wanted you to say good and pass it back to me. Um, do you ever get that? Or am I, uh, I don't know. I just can't yeah, say I, one word. Well, I, it's, I mean, it's funny because the, when I was in the UK, um, I, and I, I love going to the UK, but it's, I always feels that like that thing of, you know, two cultures uh, separated by a common language, mm -hmm. you know, the where I asked somebody there, you know, how they were doing. And she said standard. And that blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it blew my fucking mind. And the that's like everything I love about British people is just like wrapped up in that one little exchange right there. The And I um man, I. I 
they say when you have a dream, you play um, the role of every person who's in the dream. You know, mm-hmm. so if it's mm. you know uh, Chevy Chase and the Easter Bunny and the Talking Pickle, that's you're all all three of those characters. <laughs> okay. right? the, the, <laughs> yeah. Um, and in your story. I've been all those characters too, the, because I've definitely, because I'm the exact same way that when somebody asks how I'm doing, I, I think about it. I'm like, oh, well, the, the second toe on my right foot <laughs> the, um, and also endless ennui, um, but otherwise, you know, standard, you know, I'm, I'm fine, you know, the uh, otherwise good, the, um, but there have certainly been times in my life where I was like, uh, Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? And someone told me, and I was like, "No, I, 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 I just, I just wanted you to say fine. I didn't, you know, I didn't want the whole, the whole endless rundown." Yeah, yeah. But I guess it, you know, it depends on the, it depends on on the nature of our relationship with those people, or mm-hmm. and also sort of what we need, um, in that moment. The, um, you know, there's. I, I I work from home, so I'm home a lot, and the so I'm out sort of like working in the yard or doing stuff here, and I I run, so I sort of like see my neighbors a lot, and um, you know Oscar who lives across the way, like he and I will just sit and fucking mm-hmm. gossip together. We just hang out and <laughs> shoot the shit. And like, oh, did did you see what happened to Eric down the block? You know, <laughs> and like the and you know almost everybody else I, who I see on on the block. They're like, how are you? I'm like, fine. Mm-hmm. You know, the, so I, I don't know. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's curious that just sort of like trying to get it to line up right with the right people at the right time. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, uh, and that's what, that's what I'm kind of discovering. So um, yeah, I think my level of vulnerability is a bit too much for people. Is my point sometimes? They're like, "Back off, back off!" I just, I, I don't want, I don't want to get to know you that well. Like my poison ivy thing, the guy was just like, oh, "I'd rather just know you as someone who I like wave to and say hi to." Um, I don't want to hear about your. I didn't tell him where it was. I just said it was on my leg. But um, yeah, it, it it's, was a, a lesson. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I was the. Uh, um, whenever I, I book one of these podcasts, my brain goes into overdrive beforehand, mm. thinking thinking about what we're going to talk about. And I was thinking about does it ever go that way? Oh, never. No. The um, <laughs> there's a there's a great Borges story of a man who is waiting to be executed, and he knows that um, like his experience of life is um, if you're thinking forward to Thursday and you imagine it's going to go one way, it it's never exactly like that. So he sets out before the date of his execution to imagine every single possible way the execution could go that results in his death so that on the day of his execution, none of those will happen and he'll continue to live. Just, yeah, okay. that's, that's a wild thing to think about. Yeah. The, um, but one of the things that I was thinking about coming into this was the when I think we first connected because I had published Cold Turkey and I was trying to make the rounds with that. If I remember, no. how did what was it? The, <laughs> how did we? Um, see, I feel awkward saying this because you're going to think I'm another one of those. But I had no, it wasn't that, was it? It wasn't. No, it wasn't voicing change. 
Um, I had read through that, and that that was actually how I like followed along with a lot with a lot of people. But I already knew you at that point, so I think it was I. Someone had oh yeah yeah that was it. Someone in my community had forwarded me um, your a link to your book, The Long Run, uh-huh. and and said you should have Mishka on. And so I looked up like the book and and you, and then I <laughs> do you remember this? I said. Um, I said to you about the book and I said, can you, you said, I said something like, do you have a code or something? And you said, you said something like, no, no, I can't remember what you said, but basically like no buyer copies. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, fine, I'm buying a copy. And so I did. And then I listened to it in like one go and I was like, yes. Um, Cause again, it's that like, <laughs> but yeah, I think I said to you, um, I think I just reached out to you and I think it was Instagram because uh, that was where someone had sent me the link to your book. And and so they'd sent me the link to you as well. So I think I just cold turkeyed, reached out to you, I but I don't know what cold turkey is. So I'm sorry if I'm a bad friend, but is that a book? Well, no, the um, it's an audio book that I wrote turkey, the phrase the well it's it was the phrase became the title of the book i that wait okay. let me back up here i'm so glad that our friendship started with me being like no fucking go buy it <laughs> it, did, it definitely did that <laughs> the, in my defense i feel like it's a i feel like it's still like 99 cents or a dollar 99 yeah something it was like it was okay. yeah, something like that yeah the um I totally lost my train of thought because I'm so embarrassed. Cold <laughs> turkey. The oh um Cold Turkey was an audiobook that I did about uh quitting drinking. Mm. And the I was wondering if if that's how we um connected. Nope. But uh I completely lost it. The um sorry, we'll circle back. The I have I have a million things I want to ask you about anyway. The um what's going on with your book? <laughs> let's turn 90 degrees <laughs> I know. well i don't we think what i was gonna say show. let's just completely jump different directions what's going on with my book um well we are in the final i didn't realize there was like 27 steps to writing a book um a nightmare <laughs> uh uh we i don't even know what to describe this stage but the development editor gave it back to us and we are we've made the edits and now she's giving it back one more time with more edits uh final things missed and then it goes on to copy edits if you tell me um so yep coming out summer uh have to go take cover photos but uh it's coming together and you can probably help with this this I, you know, with a book, you kind of have to draw a line, right? Of where like, I've done what I can, whereas it feels like you're constantly growing as a human and learning things. And and you could be adding to it to the day before it comes out, but you have to draw a line. And I think I'm getting very close to where that line is, which is stressing me out because I feel in the time between now and then I'm going to change my opinion on things or grow my, uh, you know, develop my relationship to running or something and so uh i'm at that point but it is stressing me out the idea of at some point i have to let go and just say that's good enough or the best it's going to be for now um 
people have asked me, you know, how do you know when a piece of writing is finished? And the the best answer that I know to to respond to that is to say, um, you know, when the teacher says pencils down and hand your papers to the mm-hmm. front of the class, you yeah. know, the it's it's done when they take it away from you. Yeah. Um, the way that I learned to publish was, you know, in, with the like, fr- you know, free weekly paper in New York. And then, you know, there was a deadline, you know, the it had to go in whatever, you know, Thursday at five or Thursday at midnight or whatever. So you worked like a fiend until um, right up until the, the deadline and then you mm-hmm. sent it in mm-hmm. and then that was that. And then you saw what ran and you were like, ah, if mm-hmm. I'd only had more time, the I'll get it the next one. And it's yeah. kind of maddening because um, you never arrive um, and you never sort of like publish the perfect thing exactly how you want to. But also it's the imperfection of the previous piece that keeps you that keeps you writing, that keeps you returning and like, okay, this time I'll get it. Um, Sounds like something else we know. Yeah. <laughs> the running and I mean, everything, Yeah. <laughs> the, you yeah. know, um, how do you feel about the book? The, I mean, one of the things that I think is frustrating for me about um, being a creative in this digital era is that everything that we make is just sort of scrolling, mm-hmm. you know, it, it pops up and it's the, the, that week's podcast or that week's article or whatever. And then it just disappears. And it's like, we're on this, um, artistic treadmill, but, you know, by, um, which isn't to say that your work doesn't have a lasting effect, but the, you know, with the book, then you have like a physical thing in your hands. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read a quote, I think it was from Ryan Holiday or someone who said something about like, you know, you don't have to finish a book if you're not enjoying it. And I think that's a fear I have because we've all read books where you get to like two thirds in and you're like, well, I'm committed now. I've got to finish this thing. Yeah. And so that's, I think, a fear that I have is that it will become one of those for people to where they're like just skimming. They're just like not even reading, just kind of da, 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 because they want to get to the end um, and and check <laughs> another book read. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it. I feel nervous. Like I, I ha- this is my first book with the publisher. Um, and so there is some expectation there. I have a lot of like high power people I would love to get it in front of but I just don't know if they will even like give me the like um (laughs) kind of the like I'll consider it answer um you know even people I've I've known um so yeah I feel like you're kind of putting yourself out there and as I said like you could I know that I'm going to grow and it's not going to be the version I want it to be by the time it comes out. And so, yeah, saying like, here you go, this is that. Oh, but, but then not quantifying it with, oh, but you know, since then I've actually discovered this and I actually should have added that, but you know, (laughs) so that's, I think what's going to be hardest for me is not adding it with quantifiers um, of how things have changed since, but it feels good to have put in all those hours. Um, Although for me, I've always got the like, because I do have the young kids, I am glad of where I spent my time. But I also am well aware that there's people who could, you know, 
dedicate a full-time job's worth for a year to a book and I have not been able to give that much time so the quality level is maybe not what it could have been and the perfectionist in me that bothers but you know I did the best I could with the situation I have so this leads to a really good sort of probing question is Mm. that um you know I feel like running has been a huge part of your life for a long time and the at at what point does tina arrive when when do you get there you know what i mean like people always put that question to me of like you know what are you running from i'm like man go fuck yourself <laughs> the, I'm, you know i'm it's it's a practice it's something we engage in but the but one of the reasons i respond like that is because there is a, a you know a, a a certain seed of mm-hmm. truth in there. Yeah. Uh, um, so, I mean, I like that this book is something that you can't, uh, you, I mean, you could go back and update it, but that's lame. Don't do that. Just mm-hmm. the, do you think you'll be able to allow yourself to feel a sense of completion when it's published, when you have it in your hands? I hope so. Um, It's hard to see it right now as that, because, yeah, I'm still kind of stuck in, as we said, the the pen, put your pen down is coming. Like the teachers, like, like taking their breath about to say it in in this, you know, short analogy. But um, so there's still that. Yeah, that. uh, What if I would have spent more time on it in this what if I wouldn't have done that instead but um I also am very much a believer in you know the path is unfolding the way it was meant to and so that was what it was meant to be I am as you can imagine as a writer yourself already like what would I do next writing wise um (laughs) as you said the next one will be the next one I'll get that like perfect which is not going to be true um I don't know. Honestly, it doesn't feel right now like I will. But and you tell me, like maybe when I have a copy in my hand, it will feel differently. Um, but right now, yeah, I I I'm finding it hard to think about. I am I actually was just talking to my business coach before this, um, about who I've worked with for many years, uh, about like what the benefits to the reader are. And what I said, what I was like, did that just come out of my mouth? Cause it was just very, um, good <laughs> just, you know, saying that, uh, up front. But so I know that I am proud of it in a way, but yeah, I don't know. Still now there's that n- like nagging could have done more. So I don't know when Tina arrives. So you... have you had moments in your life that you can look back at where you, you felt like you arrived? Yeah. Yeah. Like when I, um, when I uh, represented Great Britain in the World Championship, that had been a goal I'd had since I was 14. And while I, after that, still had other things I wanted to do, that was a moment that I was able to fully say I did that and celebrate in that. And uh, so that was definitely one moment. Um, I think, actually, I honestly think I, I just did a trail race this weekend. That was another one of those in my running because I went into that race, this 30K trail race, of thinking, um, what, what do I want this to be? Like, how is this going to be play for me? And it came to a realization during that run of, 
do you know, I actually quite like pushing myself, challenging myself. And, but it wasn't so much, I'm going to get across the finish line as quick as I can. It was like, wow, look how quick my feet are moving. Like, look how I'm kind of like prancing through this woods, you know, very light footed. And I was really enjoying the motion of moving, you know, this from trail running yourself of moving that quickly, um, and recognizing that I could challenge myself and see what I could do without being like, (laughs) you know, like dying and like collapsing to the ground. So that I think was another moment where I thought like, Oh, this is, this is where I want to be. Um, in terms of my running was challenging myself, but not going into a hellhole. So there have been a few. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I think they talk about that as flow. And mm-hmm. the that's something that's been remarkably elusive for me. You know, I always feel like I'm uh, behind sort of playing catch up or grinding or the, but like, man, everything I, I haven't been able to do on my own or with another human being, I'm, I've been able to do with my dog. Mm-hmm. And the, um, we were, running today and i missed i was gonna i I generally do about three miles a day every day and that's about Mm it the um more than that and i injure myself or um and so today i found a you know it was like 1.7 miles to the turnaround and then i missed the turnaround so it ended up being five miles the (laughs) but i was i was running with my dog and i she i have to r- sort of run slow because if i run a little bit faster then she she'll gallop and she's running against the but if i keep it if i keep her at a trot then she does that happily and she can do that forever okay uh, so i'm trying to keep her from straining against the leash and one of the things that i do is to sort of talk to her um while she's doing the right pace and <laughs> the so I was looking at her today and she, like we, we run, we just like look into each other's eyes and like just smile at each other. And the, um, what I said to her today was, uh, you know, yeah, we're doing it. And oh. I was like, that's for me too, not yeah. just for her that uh-huh. like, uh, I, for once in my life, I'm like being, being here now and being mm-hmm. present, you know, I was mm-hmm. out there in the sunshine this time of year in Phoenix is so magical. It feels like the, we can finally extend like full middle fingers to the rest of the world after going through this like hell hole summer <laughs> and just be like, ha ha, we made it. See why we live here is fucking beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the, and, you know, I was like running with my shirt off and saw this, like the hawk eating just, you know, with cool shit and mm-hmm. just being there in the moment of sort of uh, movement and connection with my dog. The, I wasn't running too fast. I wasn't running too slow. The, my heart was beating, but I wasn't like gasping for breath the but it man it takes so much work to find that Mm. you know that comfortable middle ground where you feel you feel good and you feel like the right amount of challenge but um and there's so many performance Mm -hmm. obsessed personalities in the running world where like you know if you if you feel comfortable you're not doing it right you know that you have to david goggins your way through life yeah fuck that man i'm with you it's i'm but it's it's so i was just talking to someone on a another podcast earlier today about this about how uh all you see from elite athletes that the rest of the running world looks up to is 
you know, about digging in dig deep. If you haven't got it, work harder. You've got to keep grinding, keep pushing. And it just, it just sets us all up to, in everything. It, I mean, it's not just running, it's in every area. You've got to like keep fighting and keep pushing and there's more to do. And, and uh, yeah, I feel like I'm a salmon swimming upstream with the trying to actually, well, maybe I should be a salmon swimming downstream because the salmon are all going the other way. I don't know how that's supposed to work, but I, I'm trying to like chill out and like sleep in till 6.30 instead of getting up at five. Um, and But it's hard when, yeah, everywhere you look, you're you're being told that you're lazy if you're not grinding. And uh, that's why when I was saying about feeling lost or when you said about reading that I'd been feeling lost, that was also a part of it. And that I'm coming into this point in my running where like I've been offered this opportunity to do a different sport and learn a different sport, which is scary. But if I did that, I would have to backpedal the running to maybe three, four days a week. And for me, I've always come from a world where I did it. I did at a hundred and that destroyed me. And then I did nothing, which was not sustainable or healthy. And then I did, um, and then since then I've kind of been lean, leaning more towards the hundred end, but on a lesser scale. So moving to a place of four, three to four days a week, or like what you do doing, like running every day, but running three miles instead of the six, seven, eight, ten plus I do that feels terrifying because that is so um, going against what I've always known, which is if you're going to do it, then do it. Um, and to me and my past, that means a minimum of an hour. And I think I've talked to you about this before of struggling with that idea of what is enough. And for me, for some reason, an hour is what I consider enough most of the time. So maybe you're at a point in your life where you're having to learn moderation, mm -hmm. which is not something I was ever able to do, <laughs> the, at least with my drinking. The, but I, I think, well, let's, I mean, let's talk about your relationship with running because I, I think you're, um, you know, running is, is vitally important for both of us, but I think you and I, you know, each have a very different relationship with running where mm. the, for me, when I started running, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. And for, for you, um, you were an elite runner and now your, your relationship with running, um, is having to transform. Mm -hmm. And the, I think the, you know, the messages that we, um, it's not that we're getting the wrong message from elite athletes. It's that they're speaking to other elite athletes. Yeah. They're, they're not speaking to weekend warriors. Mm -hmm. They're not speaking to um, people who have found exercise as a means of recovery from addiction or people who are, you know, the, who have lost a hundred pounds or are coming back from an injury or um, people who are older than 25, you know, mm -hmm. the, or even, or people who want to have, to have a balanced life. You know, that's one of the things that I found with ultra running was I was just fucking sore and exhausted all the time. And mm -hmm. I don't, 
I don't think that I was addicted to ultra running because um, I always wanted to drink to drink. I never wanted to run, but I still spent so much of my life feeling sore and exhausted. And that's not, I don't think that's a great way to move through this, this world. Mm -hmm. uh, where, where are you at with your running these days? So, so that's the thing. Like I'd just been kind of contemplating this and, and yeah, so I had this, I met all these outdoor people a few, a month ago and they were all doing different sports like ice climbing or whitewater rafting or snowshoeing or backpacking. And I, I felt like my brain exploded and was like, what? There's a world outside of running. <laughs> I, I so identified with that when you said that. I was like, I was like, what? Tina, are you crazy? The, like, the, it, no, there's running is the alpha and omega. That's the beginning and end of outdoor sports. <laughs> yeah. That with, with snowshoes, get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, so I really did. I really was just like, completely dumbfounded and never mind that but in whitewater rafting and many of them they have their lingo just like runners have their lingo but in whitewater rafting I can't remember if it's run or running but they're like you do a run down the river and I'm like what do you mean a run down the river and she's like oh sorry um that's a term we use and I was like how dare you use sport <laughs> in yours <laughs> you know um but uh but yeah like so now i've been offered this opportunity to be trained to rock climb by this you know rock climbing professional and he wants to do a a, a half marathon um he's never he's never run more than 2 miles and so now i've got this opportunity and he's like you need to join a gym and you need to um start doing some strength training and i'm so i'm looking at this precipice of where i have this opportunity and I kind of want to jump and take it. I always loved rock climbing as a kid. And then I got into the stage of, yeah, where my running came first and everything got put aside. I've never skied in my life. I've never oh, wow. snowboarded. I have surfed, but that is a bit less risky because obviously you, unless you crack your head on the floor, you're kind of somewhat safe. Um, but I've never done half these sports. And so I'm curious, but then, yeah, uh, as I said, last Sunday, uh, sorry, I'm dating this podcast, but um, I ran a trail race and it went very well. And so yeah. there's that like temptation of safety of like, this is what you know, even though it's a different part of what I know. This is what you know. This is what you could do. This is what this is what um, you're known for. But then do I keep going down that or do I take a hard left and um and try something different and back off my runs to go to the, you know, climbing gym. And so that's where I'm trying to find, figure out, I don't know if I have the courage to take that step yet, um, to commit to that. And yeah, moderation, as you said, all I've ever known in my running is either doing it or not doing it. Like, um, I guess in pregnancy, I had both times I had periods where I was running three days a week but you know you can always kind of separate that because that's an extreme circumstance uh so yeah I don't know help me figure it out you're uh you're oh, so good oh, at no. this stuff. the well um so I, I had Leslie Jameson on the podcast recently and the sort of our um, jumping off point was she wrote something about uh, she wrote a piece for the New Yorker about mm -hmm. uh, the, choose your own adventure books 
And mm-hmm. that got me thinking about, um, and I was, you know, a fanatic about the Choose Your Own Adventure books when I was a kid. I think I had every single one. The, um, I actually don't know what that is. I'm going to stop saying yes. I don't know what that is. We so, don't have anything uh, so that is. So well, I mean, that's perfect because it's, I'd love to explain it. The, <laughs> it's, it's basically sort of a garden of forking paths in a book, right? So the, um, you know, the, the book would open of, you know, with, uh, starts with, you know, Tina, uh, former elite runner, uh, podcaster, author, uh, she, um, if, if Tina elects to, um, to do the rock climbing challenge, turn to page 48. If, uh, Tina oh, doubles okay. down on running, uh, turn to page 11. Okay. Right. So then okay. the whole book on every time you read the book, it's a different experience because you make different decisions and mm-hmm. um in some outcomes you know you're you make it halfway into the time machine and you're the top half of your body is transported and transported <laughs> to the future and the bottom half is transported to the past you know i mean it's they're children's books so they're wildly imaginative and very dramatic mm-hmm. and you know, there's vampires and ant people and all kinds of shit you know the but the and it, you know, for a child, they're incredibly engaging. And mm-hmm. the, there is this thrill of like um, the thrill of getting it right, the thrill of getting it wrong, the thrill of starting over. Mm-hmm. But the the takeaway after you've read one of these books 10 times and sort of sorted out every different possible option is that um, that you can live every life available to you. And you can't the Mm -hmm. there's um, I've been incredibly fortunate where I've been able to live so many lives in my life from, you know, from being, uh, being a smart kid and being a little bit of a jock and being, and then being like a drunk and a fuck up and a failure. And then being the, you know, a sort of, late life runner and redemption story and then uh you know uh a professional tumbleweed just sort of uh playing music on being on the road and then now um i don't know going through menopause with my fucking my cat <laughs> and my dog and just leaning into it hard <laughs> um the so i've been able to sort of pack a lot of different options into that but i think that for people like you and I who do, who do have a hunger for life, for experience, for every part of what's on offer, we want to do everything mm-hmm. and and be everything to everyone. And there's the the question of authenticity of being who we are and what we want versus providing every single person we encounter with the, the premium customer service experience, you know, yeah. uh, it used to be after shows, I would, when people came up to talk to me, I would ask how they knew me because they either knew me through the ritual podcast or they knew me through Doug Stanhope, who is like a, you know, firebrand underground comedian. And then depending on how they knew me, that would inform how I would communicate with them and which, which Mishka I would be for them. Mm. And it felt hideously disingenuous. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, 
I'm grateful that I have a little bit of that uh, Huckleberry Finn thing of being able to move between different worlds, but I don't want to curate the experience of who I am so specifically that I'm like silencing parts of who I am. I will always fight for profanity and vulgarity and like the, um, I was watching the, the show Big Mouth the other night and I have I to send is. you the episode that I was watching okay. and it's, it's an animated show. Uh, I think it's created by Nick Kroll, a comedian. Okay. Yeah, and it's the, it's delightfully profane. It will, <laughs> it will, the, it will blow your hair back. The, <laughs> and there was this sort of like, at one point, these two, uh, like prepubescent girls go to a bathhouse with their mother and there's this big sort of like, uh, you know, kind of seventies gay disco musical number of um, all these different naked animated women dancing around sort of uh, celebrating the variant forms of the female body. And, and, um, and it's, <laughs> it's like, so gross and and so funny and and you're sort of like gasping like oh I can they do this are they allowed to do this you know the and um but the, the end result is is like really touching and it's sort of like um the you know the latin saying you know nothing human is foreign to me mm. that you know i i think um you know, we tell ourselves like, oh, that's beneath us or we don't need to, you know, the talk about that. You know, the you you told your neighbor you had poison ivy, but you didn't mention where, you know, <laughs> that we, we're always like hiding <laughs> the most interesting information part of the story. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, but in my defense, he'd already made it pretty clear he didn't want to be having this conversation about it. <laughs> this is so. true. This is true that you should have just cornered him so that he couldn't leave and be, be like, Do you want to know where my poison <laughs> that, ivy? that maybe I'll rub it on you that, you <laughs> You know, the, yeah, the then we'll thing, see which rash it is. Yeah. Yeah. The best thing about poison ivy is how contagious it is. <laughs> no. The, Still finding itchy patches on my on my clothes. I, I didn't send you a picture of the final the when the patch of poison ivy on my wrist reached its it final its final form, but it looked like the like I had been burned. Like mm. I had put my hand down on a hot pipe or something. It's healing now, but man. Shit is the worst. The, yeah. um, but are you, um, are you able to find your authentic self in all the, you know, sort of million different things that you do for different people? Do you feel like you're getting closer to who you are at your core? Yeah, I feel like I'm definitely getting closer. Um, Uh, I mean, I, I definitely am getting closer. I, I feel the most disconnect, and you know this, um, actually, where I live. I definitely feel a disconnect there in that um, the world I have through the friends I have made either online or through the work that I do is a drastically different world than the world I live in around my home. And so I think that is... It works for me right now because I have, uh, does it work though? It does kind of feel like split lives because um, I obviously have this life as um, 
someone who lives in the suburbs who has these two kids in a very, very white middle class area. I um, kind of don't really make too many waves, although I will, you know, go to a town meeting or I will write to the local newspaper and do those kind of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> annoying uh i was recently i recently learned the word gadfly which means like yeah an annoying yep. pest so like i'll 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 take someone called me a gadfly and i'll take that um <laughs> but then when i go out into the world beyond that be it through this screen i am looking at you through right now or when i physically leave this area i do feel like i'm a like a fuller version of myself there because um yeah, I just think all the all the parts of me um, that I mean, just being a parent of a of two young kids, I just can't allow that. You know, all the things I want to do just cannot be a reality right now. Um, so I feel like I get in doses. I go away and I kind of am able to be that, and then I come home and it's uh, fully focused on on family and parent and. Um, I don't want to say fitting in because I definitely don't work very hard at fitting in around here. But um, yeah, just like I I guess I go through waves of it, but they're still pretty different, I would say, at this point, my work life and my home life. But um, yeah, I don't see with living where I do how I am going to merge those two things. Which, yeah. I... I was talking to a buddy, uh, um, a buddy here in Arizona the other day, and we were talking about um, transgender folks. And mm-hmm. every time I hang out with him, it seems like it comes back to that. And, mm-hmm. you know, where he's like, you know, I don't understand it. And, you know, I, I try to explain it to him and also... I'm part of me is like, well, bro, the reason that you don't understand it is because you're asking a straight white male to explain it to you. The, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one of the, and so I sort of like tried to break it down. For, it's funny. I was like trying to break it down for him and like the, and, and, and mostly just be like, why, why do you give a shit, bro? It's not fucking hurting anybody. Mm. Why do you care? This is an, inc- an incredibly small um, section of the population that experiences an incredible amount of hate and vitriol. Their lives are shorter because of it, period. You know, the um, you stand up for the underdog. You should be deeply in their fucking corner. The, you know, and so we sort of had this conversation where I like tried and failed to, you know, explain, uh, trans and non-binary to him. And then we went to a diner and then he, there was somebody in the men's room. So he went into the women's room. I was like, man, it's like, it's right there in front of you. You know, why can't you get it? The, like what it's doesn't hurt anybody by using the, the, the bathroom with the different, you know, like the, but what I realized is that the uh our damn outsized brains they're um they're too big Mm -hmm. where we wonder about everything and not big enough that we we have enough brain power to wonder about stuff but not to understand everything Mm -hmm. and maybe you and i are driving ourselves crazy (laughs) trying to understand everything Mm -hmm. trying to uh Mm -hmm. trying to figure out where we where we fit in the world why we do this why we do that 
and that we should spend less time trying to understand everything and spend and and sort of just not even spend the energy i was going to say spend more energy trying to accept it but just just maybe just not spend that energy maybe try yeah. to just roll it back I, th- I feel like you and i both have a tendency to do everything at cranked up to 11 you know the, <laughs> yeah. and yes. even running things at 9 for a long period of time will cause the system to break down. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think I, I've come into trouble again and again with this, that I, same as you, will, will be, I really feel the 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 pain and the, um, I really feel for a lot of people deeply in my, in my cells that, uh, the pain that they go through for various, um, you know, whatever underrepresented group they or multiple that they fall into. And so I'll, yeah, like you tie myself in knots, trying to understand the other person to be like, okay, why could they be thinking this? Well, maybe if they think this, then maybe if I explain it this way, then they'll get it or, uh, okay. So they said that, so maybe I could use this example to explain it to them. And it same as you, like, it doesn't matter how many times I try to, to figure them out and what angle would work. It never works. And, and then I just get angry at myself for like, why didn't you, why can't you explain it well enough to them? Um, and so I think you're right. Then we spend so much energy trying to yeah figure things out, figure out what what will work that, yeah, well, it means that we're wasting away our own lives, um, worrying about changing minds that will never be changed or if they are to be changed, it's not by us. Um, but I, I don't know about you, but I can't stop interfering sometimes. I, I <laughs> can't seem to help myself um and you know even I said about my two separate kind of lives around here I do say things a lot to people around here um and I can tell it's not going down very well but I (laughs) I keep trying and I keep saying well that's that's how change is made you just got to keep telling them or not telling them you got to just keep having these conversations and then and then it'll, it'll the light bulb will go um but yeah am I then destroying myself and my own enjoyment of the present because I'm trying too hard um, when it's just like, it's like the whole climate change thing of it it feels like there's a ton of climate change deniers out there, but it's actually only like 5% of people, but they feel louder because they are loud and shout about it. So there's no point spending energy on those 5% when they're not going to change their mind, but the big gap, majority in the middle of the people we should be having conversations with the i i just did a podcast with my friend kyle shutt who's the guitar or he was the guitar player in the heavy metal band the sword and uh we just did like such a raw podcast and one of the things that we were both sort of able to bond and identify about is the the online comment section and mm-hmm. when um when we engage with that and it ruins our fucking day. It's not their fault. It's our fault for going there. Um, if, because the way that it, the way, you know, the reviews and the online comments work is that if somebody watches a movie and they enjoy it, they go on to the next movie. Yeah. If they hate it, mm-hmm. 
or if they're being neglected in their life or they feel powerless or something, they're like, I'm going to show these fuckers, you know, and then, then that's where you get the one-star review. And the, if you look at my books on Amazon, they're all highly rated. Some of them are rated like whatever, 4.7 out of five stars. And then the first review you'll re you read, the one that's the most help, you know, rated as most helpful is like a, a one star review or this, like, oh, this blowhard frat boy that, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I just get savaged and the, and it's always like, it's always hurt my feelings and it's always fucked with me and annoyed me the, but, um, and, not everything in this world can be vanilla ice cream. You know, mm. nobody objects to vanilla ice cream. Nobody's leaving one-star reviews for vanilla ice cream. Um, I think you're pretty clear that you know that your role in life is not to be vanilla mm. ice cream, you know, <laughs> and the, um, we need to do what we need to do. We need to, uh, you and I are both drawn to, to challenges and to, and sometimes just to battles. Mm -hmm. And the, I think we need to perhaps interrogate ourselves less and support ourselves more, mm. allow ourselves to do this, you know, to do the stuff that we, that we know that we understand is, you know, is the right thing. And, um, and let people feel fucking weird around us if they have to, you know, one of the, one of the greatest gifts I got from living in New York was being there that long and having to, you know, fight daily with people in such close proximity for your spot in line, mm. your spot at the bar, um, the, to catch your train was it eroded my fear of being uncomfortable and making other people uncomfortable. And now I feel very comfortable um, being like you over there move or, you know, you <laughs> sit down, you know, and just being, just being the person who's comfortable raising their voice. Yeah. Um, not Did in any a part of you, you, that he, do he like dehumanize other people though, because you, were kind of, because you have to live that way in New York and you have to be that way. Did it, yeah. Did you find yourself to start dehumanizing people because you're just like trying to get what you need and forgetting that there's, you know, we're all a humanity of people or not. I think it's a balancing role that um, we, we need to maintain, you know, clarity that it's not us against them. It's us against the system. Mm. Right? The, mm -hmm. um, you know, I talk about, um, you know, fighting for your spot on the subway, you know, also I, I was on the subway platform, um, one time and I think it was like the new iPods had just come out and everybody was like excited about the new generation of iPods. And this girl like pulled hers out of her pocket. It was after Christmas and a girl pulled hers out of her pocket and she dropped it and it mm -hmm. hit the thing and bounced into the tracks. Oh. And she was like, dang, I just got that. And her boyfriend looked at me and I, and I looked at him and a train was coming and I was like, I got you. And he jumped down, grabbed the iPod, threw it to her. I leaned over, grabbed his hand, pulled him out of the, you know, of the train tracks as the train pulled into the station. And the, 
And she was, she was like, thank you. And I was like, hell yeah. You know, and like a bump fist with the dude. And like, we, we never said another word. And it was just, wow. uh, you know, in the same way that, um, you know, if he was about to hop the turnstile and I knew that there was a cop there, I would be like, yo, stop. There's a mm. cop, you know, the, and if he pushed me, I would push him back. Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. or if I saw that he was, you know, cutting in front of somebody on crutches or you know, something like that, I would grab him by the back of the jacket and said, nope, you know, the, so it's, but it is that, you know, it's sort of the emotional GPS yeah. where it's constantly repositioning, uh, recalculating, you know, trying to figure out. Doing the right thing. You as a thoughtful person, you know, we've already said that you and I maybe think about these things, but some people don't have that, those like indicators, you know, you said, what did you say? Emotional GPS. Some people's emotional GPSs need some updates. I absolutely agree. I think that that's, you know, <laughs> the, um, I, I think that's a pervasive issue. And I think that's a great analogy. The, but, the, I mean, my, you know, my situation, the way that I move through the world is different from the way you move through the world too, mm-hmm. in that, um, if something fucked up is going on, um, I, I, I'm large enough that I usually have the, the, mm-hmm. the brute force necessary to, to correct it, or at least to provide an obstacle. And also people, <laughs> whenever whenever I'm at a party and something goes wrong, people say somebody should do something. And then they all look at me (laughs) (laughs) with with great power comes great responsibility. You know, and and when, when I'm on the subway and when people are getting shoved, I'm generally not one of the people getting shoved out of the way because I'm, Mm. you know, I'm, I'm bigger, you know? So it's the, I think we're all charged with the responsibility of updating our own GPSs and, you know, when, when other people are in need of an update, the, um, sometimes we have to help them. Yeah. But how does that not then turn into what we were just saying we need to stop doing? The, of, I I mean, it's, (laughs) This is the thing is it's it's all a balancing act. Mm. You know, the um running is good for us, uh mm-hmm. broccoli is good for us, water is good for us. And if you run for 24 hours, only eat broccoli for 24 hours <laughs> and drink too much water, you'll be a fucking mess. You know, <laughs> that it is all so it I I keep coming back to this. You know, people are like, oh, if you, you know, if you had to boil it down to one thing, and it's like, well, if I had to boil it down to one thing, I would say <laughs> it's impossible to boil it down to one thing. It is, it's, it is a complex algorithm for how yeah. to, you know, how to move through the world and how to keep, you know, recalibrating your relationship with the world and with people around you. Mm-hmm. The it's a challenge, but it's worth it. Um and you seem to shine when you're challenged. You know, the every time I I read your updates, I'm like, she's taking on something else. Something <laughs> she's taking on something new. <laughs> now she's running with blind runners. The it wasn't enough to do all these other things. The, well, it's funny you say that because that's what everyone kept saying to me when I ran. Yeah, when I did do New York, they were like, okay, so wait a minute. 
you couldn't just run by yourself. You had to be a guide uh, for a blind runner, but you couldn't just run for a blind runner. You had to make that run a Mongolian who didn't speak any English. So like, what is next? Like, are you going to run with someone who's blind and deaf and doesn't speak English? Like how, when, like you said, when do you arrive? (laughs) But I did not put myself in this situation. I will say that someone said, you're ready for this and gave it to me. But yeah, I, uh, I definitely have an addiction with taking on new things, I think. Um, and uh, and there's more coming, so <laughs> help, me, help me stop. You're, like, you're momentarily apologetic, and then you're like, but there's more in the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's bad. It's definitely something um, It's going to get me into big trouble one day, if it's not already now. <laughs> But I I don't know. I mean, I I just I find the more, as I said earlier, the more I give, the more I feel like not like I'm giving to get, but I feel like I'm getting so much that I want to keep giving. Um, Mm -hmm. So finding other ways to help people is just something that I feel a lot of appreciation for. just because I've been very fortunate and I recognize the privileges I have. So why wouldn't I try and help? And you do the same thing, like not necessarily like jumping on, but you, you know, you and I very much are like, Hey, you want to chat? Oh, I've got this. And then I've got that. And then, you know, we very much are the same way in that, in that well way. And also you do, I mean, I see a lot of the things you share, you are constantly advocating for other people. You are constantly drawing attention to things that, uh, you know, need attention on them that are maybe need to be improved in this world. And so, you know, I see you doing the same things as me. And uh, so I'm going to throw that right back at you because you also have a million projects and we're in the pipeline. I do. I do. (laughs) I was thinking, I was thinking just before we did this, you know, the, I need to just not like, take on new stuff for a while i have shelves full of books that i haven't read i need to not buy another Mm -hmm. book until i finish those and Mm -hmm. uh, i have all these project guitars that you know and things in the backyard this this is leaking this the washing machine's about to break the you got a drawer open behind you (laughs) (laughs) one more thing to add to the list the and um I'll deal with that later. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it, it, my mom and I do a, a ton of projects together and it, it drives me nuts that she's always finding new things for me to do the, but, um, we're here to do, you know, mm-hmm. the, are we here to be uh, yes to both. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's just the process of winnowing down like what the ratio is that works mm-hmm. for us. I yeah. Um, I've kept you longer than I usually keep people. I feel like we're just, uh, like we're just getting rolling too. the, um, tell me all the things or tell people listening, all the things that you're doing, where they can find you, how they can support you, where they can see you, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I was going to say when, if we're just getting started, then if you, if you forgot in the momentarily, uh, time since we talked about, it. I do have a book coming out next year. So yes, so we can do around two. <laughs> no, um, well, uh, I don't even know where to begin. But <laughs> you, can, 
Uh, it really depends where people are. If you're a podcaster, I have uh, my podcast running for real, which has been a bit scattered lately because believe it or not, I have struggled to keep up with all the different plates I'm juggling in the air and the podcast plate got dropped. But um, <laughs> generally, uh, those come out every week. I tend to focus on uh, guests, but primarily people in the running world who don't often get the opportunity to speak on podcasts, just, um, you know, not the big old same old, same old. Uh, I am on social media, um, try to minimize my time there, but you can definitely find me there. And, um, my website runningforreal.com will have everything that I'm up to, but in terms of telling you what I'm up to, I'm working on a, uh, a recovery resource for people who have red S so that's relative energy deficiency in sport. So, um, basically we used to be known as a female athlete triad, but they now know it's not just women, it's men too. Um, so I'm creating something for that, finishing up the book and got lots of sustainability related things planned for next year. So we'll see. And then whether I take on this rock climbing adventure, that's that's still up in the air. So maybe that too. But yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely have you back when the book comes out and. If I'm able to, I got to look at the tour routing, but if I'm able to swing by St. Louis on one of my Better. runs across yeah. country. The... I'm not going to take you coming through Kansas City. and, and <laughs> It's not acceptable. I was not going to allow that. But you said you've switched paths now. so It's all, yeah, it's all still unfolding, The but I'll be in touch. The, okay. yeah. Tina, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. I Thank uh, you, my friend. I, you know, I adore you and, um, yeah, I just loved, as always, love talking to you. Awesome. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. Folks, thank you so much for listening. I know there's uh, some million podcasts out there. We appreciate you uh, you spending your time with us. The um, If you're digging the show, if you're enjoying it, if, you, if these conversations uh, move you, make you laugh, annoy you, piss you off, um, please take a minute to uh, to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it helps us grow the show and it helps other people find it. Um, if you'd like to hear bonus episodes, song demos, just sort of uh, ranting off the cuff uh, conversations, all sorts of different uh, bonus material, writing advice, uh, personal blog posts and stuff like that. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. Uh, we will be having monthly episodes up there with my mom and I answering uh, questions from readers. And there's all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, thank you so much for supporting.